Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And good morning, everyone. I am Pat Harridan from Lockton in Boston. And normally when I am on, we talk uh, all things employee benefits and insurance. And we'll sort of talk about those topics today. Uh, We have two great uh, expert guests for the uh, show in the first hour. We'll hear from uh, Kurt Zanowski from Uh, Zernowski Consulting and talking about all things Social Security, a topic in the news as of late. And at the 9 o'clock hour, we'll have Peter Stoner talking about all things Medicare, another topic uh, in the news um, a lot recently and probably will be for the next uh, few weeks or so. Um, But I want to begin with uh, Kurt Zernowski, who I believe is on the line. Kurt, are you there? Hey, good morning, Pat. Good morning. How you Kurt. doing? Very well, very well on this. Hey, so Mike tees it up nicely for you not to say anything nice about him. That's that's going to yeah. be tough. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes it uh, makes it quite. You must quite, be quaking there in your seat. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it makes it uh, makes it easy for me to uh, have a built-in excuse. But I can say good things about uh, about you, Kurt, and uh, and what you do. So why don't you, um, I know some of our listeners have probably heard you before, but just give give a brief introduction of yourself and what you do um, for our listeners, and then uh, I'll get into some, uh, some questions for you. Sure. So start by saying it's great to be back on McNamara on Money. I've been on uh, several times with uh, the entire family. So I worked for the Social Security Administration for 34 years, the last 20 years of my career there. My job was as the communications director here in New England, which meant I spent my time, as our Canadian friends would say, oot and a boot, talking to people about the Social Security program. I was lucky enough to be able to retire at the end of 2010. And for the past now nearly 11 years, I've continued to do that same type of work that I was doing for the Social Security Administration. Uh, but doing it on my own, which is trying to help educate people about the Social Security program, helping people as they approach retirement understand how Social Security fits into their overall retirement plan. Now, I always make it clear I'm not a financial advisor. What I see myself as is an educator and trying to help people understand what the Social Security program is, help them understand what it isn't, dispel some of those myths and misunderstandings that are so prevalent these days about the Social Security program, 
to enable people to make an informed decision about what they want to do about collecting Social Security. So been a great run. I enjoy it and uh, continue to do it for as long as I'm having fun. And right now, anyway, it continues to be fun. a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, thanks, Kurt. I'll give your uh, we'll give your contact info out at the uh, the end of the segment. And uh, after we start talking a bit, if you do have sort of general questions, it's hard to do specifics on the radio. But just general questions about uh, Social Security, you can call seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. And Kurt, the two topics today: Social Security and Medicare. Uh, are probably two of the most uh, that affect almost everyone, but are the least understood. Uh, even by, uh, as I've heard lately on the t- on TV and in uh, in newspaper articles, even by our legislators. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. So you know, believe it or not, the Social Security program is now more than eighty six years old. Wow. And each and every month, as I like to remind folks. Social Security pays out over $92 billion each month to more than 65 million people collecting. But on top of that, there's another 176 million folks who are out there now working and paying into the program. And what I always say is, despite the age of the program, despite the size of the program, and despite the economic impact that Social Security has in this country today, unfortunately, there are myths and misunderstandings that are just so pervasive and it's great to have an opportunity with you today pat to try and as i said earlier dispel some of those myths and misunderstandings yes and this is the time to listen to kurt not your uh, brother-in-law or um the, the person down the street um yes that natty told hattie about the things she <laughs> saw right the woolly bully that's right and especially with social security because it, you know quite literally um it's not the same for everyone um because of the way the formulas work and we got marriages and and a bunch of other things that we'll uh hopefully have time to get into but let's start uh as james lipton always used to say on uh, inside the actor's studio let's start at the beginning uh what you mentioned you know that some people think social security came when medicare came but it actually came a lot, long time earlier. But what is, you know, in a general sense, Kurt, what is uh, Social Security? And then we'll get into how do you, how do you sort of qualify for it? Sure. And, and people need to understand when they talk about Social Security, most people focus today just on the retirement aspect. And clearly with the baby boom generation storming towards retirement, that's where the big chunk of interest is. But I always like to remind folks, Social Security is this broad-based social insurance program that protects workers and their families against a number of different risks, risks involving loss of income due to retirement, loss of income due to disability, and loss of income to a family because a breadwinner has passed away. With Social Security, there's a very important disability component, very important survivor benefit component to the Social Security program that most people don't consider. And when I hear from younger workers in particular who say, well, is the program gonna be there for me down the road? I always like to remind them, hey, it's there for you today through the Social Security Disability Program, through the Social Security Survivor Benefit Program. It's providing that insurance protection that we all hope you're never gonna need, but in case things happen, Social Security steps in and does provide monthly disability income to about 8 million workers these days. And so it's a hugely important broad-based social insurance program. People get coverage and protection under the program because they work, pay into the program, they pay FICA tax, Federal Insurance Contributions Act tax. Right now, if you're an employee, you pay a 6.2% Social Security payroll tax It's matched by your employer. Each year there's a maximum level of earnings that are subject to that Social Security tax. This year, 2021, for example, you'll pay that 6.2% payroll tax on the first $142,800 that you happen to make during the course of the year. Again, matched by your employer. Now, you make above that, you're not gonna pay any additional Social Security payroll tax, but you will continue to pay a 1.45% 
Medicare hospital insurance tax, and there is no taxable maximum on the Medicare tax side, but there is this annual taxable maximum for Social Security. If you're self-employed, well, you have the privilege, air quotes there, of paying the combined employer-employee rate, 12.4% that you pay to help fund Social Security benefits. So to sum up sort of the the payment or funding mechanism, uh, Kurt, so basically I did, I did quick math because it is still early in the morning. Um, that means that someone who's making over that threshold, the 142 uh, a year, we're basically an employer, an employee is paying in at most $8,854 into uh, Social Security, and then the employer is matching. There's the the match is is also capped, so they would put in eighty eight fifty four as well. Correct. 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 But that's separate and apart from the Medicare. additional one point four five percent Medicare tax that each one will pay. And maybe you can talk about that with Peter in the next hour. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping to help. As again, this is for all ages because I think people, you know, uh, my kids who have you know started working. Um, you know, in the in the real world, as I call it, um, you know, look at their check and say, what is this thing called FICA? Um, and again, it, you make a great point that I really never thought of, Kurt, is a lot of people have that in their mind. Ah, that's, you know, I'm putting this money, the money's going and it's not, not going to be there in, you know, 50 years when I need it. Um, but as you point out, it's there now for those people who, you know, again, it has to be a serious disability, but there's there. And also if there's a loss um, of that in the wage earner and there's uh, children under, you know, minors to care for, there's a family benefit as well. So I think that's another important part that people miss. You know, and then, Pat, the Social Security actuaries have done some studies, and the most recent one I saw indicates that of today's 20-year-olds, people about to enter the workforce, they're projecting that about one in four will become disabled before reaching their current full retirement age, which is age 67. And they estimate that about one in nine will die before hitting that full retirement age. And, and that's the type of risk that the Social Security Disability and Survivor Program protects against. I always like to remind folks, there's about three million kids these days under the age of 18 who receive a monthly Social Security payment. Hmm. Why? Well, they receive it because their parent has passed away or perhaps their parent is disabled, or in some cases, because their parent is now old enough and receiving a Social Security retirement benefit. So, it, again, it's this, as I said right up front, broad-based social insurance program provides cash assistance to people of all ages, and it's just so vitally important yep. for people to understand it. it is more than just a retirement program. Yeah, no, it is. It's absolutely. So we, we covered how, how the program is funded. So it's funded by employees and employers. And just remember, you know, that $8,000 uh, maximum, you know, again, that's today, you know, 10 years ago, obviously, it was much less because the limit was less. So we, we've covered how it's funded. Uh, talk a little bit about, and we do have some other listeners, Kurt, I know um, that I've worked with that work for um, you know, cities, towns, municipalities, school teachers that may not pay into um, the Social Security system. We'll, we'll probably get to them uh, in the second after the, the first break about, you know, how that works when you have one sure. person who pays in but one doesn't. But how do you become eligible? So we know that, you know, everyone basically pays in unless you have uh, you're covered by a governmental uh, plan. So you pay in, but then how do you sort of make make yourself eligible to receive a payment? Sure. And, uh, you know, good point, because Social Security's actuaries, again, estimate that around 94% of the jobs in this country these days are covered under the Social Security program. And as you point out, the last group of holdouts are state and local employees in a number <laughs> of jurisdictions, including here in the Commonwealth. Uh, and a few older federal employees covered under the old civil service retirement system. But Social Security, through its 86-year history, has pretty much evolved into the nation's retirement, universal retirement pension system. So let's talk simply on retirement benefits. How do you yep. get coverage and protection for retirement? Now, when the program started back in 1935, you get coverage and protection. Again, you had to work in a job covered under the Social Security program. But 
back in the day, you earned what were referred to as Social Security Quarters of Coverage, or QCs, as the uh, abbreviation went. And to earn a Social Security Quarter of Coverage, you had to work in a job, again, covered under the Social Security program, and make at least $50 during a calendar quarter of the year. Because there are four quarters in a calendar year, if you worked all four quarters, made at least $50 in each quarter, you would earn your maximum of four quarters of coverage or four QCs for a particular year. Now, 1978, though, Congress changed the law and made it easier for people to get coverage and protection under Social Security because they moved away from this calendar-driven quarters of coverage system to one that talks about earning Social Security credits. And credits based not on when you happen to work, but based solely on the total amount of money that you make while working in a job covered under Social Security. 1978, the first year of that new system, you would earn one Social Security credit for each $250 that you made. And the key thing was, it didn't matter when you made it. So, because you could still earn a maximum of four credits for a calendar year, meant, for example, in 1978, if you had earnings of $1,000 or more at any point during the course of the year, you would accrue your four Social Security credits for that particular calendar year. Now, with the passage of time, the amount of money required to accrue a credit has increased, and in 2021, you get one Social Security credit for each $1,470 that you make. Now, again, can't get more than four credits in a year, but it means, for example, you have total earnings this year in a job under Social Security of $5,880 or more, then you've earned your four Social Security credits for calendar year 2021. And the bottom line is, Pat, once you have accrued 40, 40 Social Security quarters of coverage and or credits, they count the same, then you are what is referred to in the law as insured for Social Security retirement benefit. In other words, you're vested in the program, which means you will absolutely positively get something each month from Social Security when the time comes. And we can talk about what when the time comes means and how much that's going to be in a second. But that's how you get your foot in the door. You accrue throughout your working life 40 Social Security quarters of coverage and or credits. Now, the important thing is with that change back in 1978, as I mentioned, it becomes a lot easier for folks to get Social Security protection. Because think about it, as a school teacher here in Massachusetts, for example, you don't pay into the Social Security program. You're paying into the Mass Teachers Retirement System. But say you work summers at a day camp or something like that. Now, back in the day, with that old quarter of coverage system, if you work July, August, September at a camp, you'd get one quarter of coverage. But now, again, it's not based on when you work. This year, for example, if you've gotten, while you're working, $5,880 or more, you've accrued those four credits for this year towards the 40 that you need. And as I mentioned, with 40, you will always be eligible for something each and every month from Social Security. Oh, yeah, by the way, even if you happen to receive a public pension based on work not covered under Social Security. I don't know how many folks I've talked to over the years who mistakenly think that if they get that teacher's pension, for example, that they're not going to be eligible for anything from Social Security, even though they may have worked and paid into the system for more than 10 years in the past. That's just wrong. That's one of those myths. Hmm. 40 credits, you're always going to be eligible for something. Now, you don't get 40. You have 39, for example. Well, you're not going to collect anything based on your own work record, but it may be possible to collect based on the work and earnings of your spouse. But it really is this threshold, 40 credits and or quarters of coverage, get your foot in the door, always entitles you to something. So, How much that's going to be, we can talk about that in a little bit. Yep, so um, two questions on that, Kurt, from me. So let's, uh, in an extreme example, someone could work, for example, from 1980 to 1990. Let's say they make, you know, $10,000 a year in those 10 years. 
and then don't work again until they until they reach an age by which they can collect. That person, although the benefit would be very small, they're still eligible. Is that how it would work? Absolutely correct. Ten years of work, 40 credits, get your foot in the door, and absolutely entitles you to something. Just quick interjection, you're right. It probably wouldn't be very much each month because retirement benefits are calculated by averaging someone's highest 35 years of work under the system. So if you've got somebody who's got solely 10 years of work, then their benefit's going to be calculated by averaging in those 10 years of work plus 25 years of zero earnings, lower their average monthly wage and lower their benefit. But it's never reduced to zero. They'll always get something each and every month with those 10 years of work under the system. So my math skills, although I got a great education at, at Hull Public Schools, uh, aren't that great, uh, Kurt. So <laughs> uh, how how can someone, and again, anyone, you know, worked, like, I don't even remember what I made, you know, three years ago, never mind, 20 years ago. Is there a way for someone to figure out, A, you know, kind of what their earnings history has been and uh, perhaps, you know, get an estimate of what their uh, benefits are? I seem to remember number of years ago, I used to get something in the mail, but that has sure. stopped. Yep. Yeah, so great question, Pat, and it's an important reminder for people they need to plan for retirement. They need to understand what Social Security is going to get them, recognize what it's not going to get them, and for the longest time, the Social Security Administration did try and play a proactive role in helping you plan for your retirement, because you referenced, they used to mail anyone 25 years of age or older who had ever paid into the program an annual paper document, a social security statement. The original distribution plans for that social security statement had it going out about three months before somebody's birthday, again, on an annual basis, providing benefit estimates for retirement at different ages, for survivor benefits that could be paid to the family, and for disability protection. The other thing the statement did, it did provide a nice year-by-year breakout of what the Social Security Administration had recorded as someone's work and earnings under the program. And, excuse me, as I mentioned, because your benefits based on what your earnings had been, it's important that someone reviewed that earnings history to make sure it was accurate, because if it wasn't, it would have a direct impact on what they would eventually collect. But you're right, Pat. Most people have noticed, hey, I haven't got one of those in the mail lately. What's the deal? Well, Social Security has stopped mailing those paper documents to anyone and everyone 25 years of age or older, said what they've done first and foremost is put in place a system whereby if you go to www. and then all one word, socialsecurity.gov backslash my account and take about 10 or 15 minutes or so to set up an individual my social security account for yourself, One of the benefits of having that account in place is you'll now be able to download through a secure website a social security statement for yourself whenever you need one or want one. And so I encourage anyone who hasn't yet set up an individual My Social Security account for themselves to do that because then they'll be able to get that social security statement whenever they need it and use it as the important planning tool it was designed to be. Marvelous. All right. Well, Kurt, after we'll we'll repeat that uh, after the break, and uh, we'll talk about our receiving benefits uh, right after the break. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. This is uh, Pat Harridan from uh, Lockton in Boston. And filling in for Mike, who's on a well-deserved uh, day off today. Um, normally, wait, when wait, I'm wait a minute, is that saying something nice about Mike when you say the job uh, is well-deserved? No, I think you should uh, strike that. And strike, just say he's off. Uh, <laughs> he is off. 
Whether it's well-deserved or not, I don't there know. There you go. That's a good one. Um, so uh, we've been talking, normally when I'm on, again, we talk about employee benefits topics. So I'm, I'm covering, I think, a little bit of that um, today with, uh, with, in the first hour, we're talking with Kurt uh, Zarnowski from Zarnowski Consulting, talking Social Security. Uh, and next hour, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, Medicare. So, Kurt, before the break, um, you gave out the website for people to go online and uh, set up an account and, and sort of download their both their earning statement. And they can also see, I think, what they've paid in and what their employer has paid in. But can you give that website again uh, so people can write it down? Sure, absolutely. It's www. And then all one word, socialsecurity.gov slash, and then all one word, my account. And by, again, setting up that account, number of different benefits that accrue from it, a lot of which accrue after you start to collect, but prior to collecting, the ability to download, again, through that secure website, a current social security statement, see what your earnings have been in the past, see some benefit estimates, will enable you to do some really solid financial planning and uh, encourage you to uh, to do that. And again, a big um, reminder, your benefits based on what your earnings have been. So you want to carefully review what the earnings history is shown in the statement. And if a mistake has occurred for one reason or another, you know, Social Security is happy to correct it, bring proof of what the proper amount is to the local Social Security office and they'll make that change because, again, you don't correct it, have a direct impact on what you eventually receive. Yeah, no, it's good. And it's funny, Kurt, while you were talking, because I remember I did it, I looked at my saved PDF file. Uh, my source, I get one. I, I do it every year to make sure that my uh, W-2 is recorded you know, correctly. You usually do that around tax time. Um, and it is, I guess, for people who have not seen theirs, um, it's a little shocking to see what you made uh, when you first started working um, and, uh, you know, kind of what age you were. But it is helpful because the other thing that it does, again, helpful, as you pointed out to me in our discussion, helpful as you get closer to retirement, it also gives you sort of an estimated um, uh, benef monthly benefit at, at full retirement age, which we're going to talk about next. So let's talk about that. What, so we, we know just, uh, one quick thing, Pat. please, but again, emphasizing it's more than just a retirement program. So even for Correct. younger workers, yes, you know, you get that social security statement. It'll give you a current estimate of what the family could receive if you were to pass away or what you and the family could receive if you became disabled. So it's, uh, yes, that's you know, correct. More than just a retirement program. I want to keep emphasizing that. Yeah, no, that's. I think that's a very important point, especially for our for our young people. Um, so we've talked about how it's funded. Uh, again, we're talking about the Social Security program first. How it's funded. Uh, how you qualify um, for um, or become eligible, I guess, or become insured. Um, now, uh, let's say you know we're, we're not disabled. We've made it. Uh, we're thinking about retirement. Uh, what are sort of the the things to think about uh, for receiving the benefits, Kurt? Sure. You know, and, and as I said right up front, I'm not an advisor. I'm an educator. I try and help people understand what they can do under the program. I firmly believe that ultimately deciding what someone should do is his or her own decision. They're the ones, after all, who have worked and paid into the program. But I I want people to be making an informed decision to understand what they can do so they're in a better position to decide what they should do. And in terms of collecting benefits, you've got a wide range of options. I would say you need to start by making sure you know what Social Security calls your full retirement age. Key concept under the program. When Social Security started back in 1935, full retirement age was set as the month someone turned age 65. It was 65 without exception. In fact, continued that way till 1983 when Congress changed the law and increased Social Security full retirement age for anyone born 1938 or later. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, for a big chunk of the baby boomers, anyone born between 1943 and 1954, it's the month someone turns age 66. But under current law, it continues to increase 
gradually and tops out right now anyone born 1960 or later. Social Security full retirement age is the month you turn age 67. But, <coughs> excuse me, Pat. But key thing is collecting at full retirement age isn't your only option, but you say make sure you know what yours is based on your year of birth. You can get that information on the Social Security website, also off your statement. But under the rules today, you can start to collect as early as age 62 if you choose to do so. But here's the thing. As they said right up front, Social Security is this social insurance program. Congress has built certain social goals into it. And one is a hope that at the end of the day, based on average life expectancy, anyone and everyone ends up with roughly the same amount of total lifetime benefits regardless of when they start. And so you have to start collecting prior to hitting your full retirement age month. Well, then in theory, anyway, by starting sooner, you'll be collecting for a longer period of time. You'll find that your payment amount gets reduced by starting sooner. How much reduction? Well, it's roughly half a percent per month reduction for each month prior to your full retirement age you opt to collect. Half percent per month, it's roughly 6% per year reduction. But again, you don't have to start on your birthday. You don't have to start the first of the calendar year. But if you opt to start prior to hitting your full retirement age, you're going to see a lower monthly amount. And oh, yeah, by the way, it's a permanent reduction. Now, again, you start at your full retirement age. That means you get 100% of the amount your work and earnings entitled you to collect. But you want to wait past full retirement age. That's an option for you as well. Now, with that social insurance idea in place, if you've opted to defer, well, in theory, then you'll be collecting for a shorter period of time. So by all rights, your benefit ought to be increased if you wait. And it is. These are referred to as delayed retirement credits. And for each month past your full retirement age, you defer. You'll see your benefit permanently increase now by two-thirds of a percent. Two-thirds percent per month, that translates into an 8% per year increase by waiting. But again, you don't have to not collect for a full year. For each month you defer, benefit permanently increased. But the key thing, Pat, is these delayed retirement credits only accrue from your full retirement age until the month you turn age 70. Now, you never have to take your Social Security benefits. Not like there's a required minimum distribution like there is with your IRA or 401k, but if you opt to wait past age 70, you're going to see no additional increase by waiting past that point. So in helping people visualize this, I say it's like this continuum. You can start as early as 62. Makes no sense to wait past age 70. So find that full retirement age and recognize that at that point you get 100% of your benefit. Anything prior to that, a lower amount, anything after that, a higher amount. So let me give you one quick example for someone like yourself, Pat. Yep. Who's got a full retirement age of 67. Under the rules today, you can still collect as early as age 62 if you choose to do so. But you opt to start collecting at 62 with a full retirement age of 67. You will see that payment at age 62 being 70% of what you'd receive at your full retirement age of 67. In other words, a 30% reduction over what you'd receive if you waited all the way until age 67. Now, the longer you wait, the higher your payment is. But again, the theory is you're collecting now for five years prior to that full retirement age. So sure, you'll get a lower amount each month, but you'll collect that lower amount for a longer period of time. At your full retirement age of 67, that's when you'd get 100%. But say you want to wait all the way until age 70. So by that point, you'll have deferred for three years. It will be an 8% increase for each one of those three years you've deferred. And it's simple interest, not compounded. But it means that at age 70, you'd receive 124% of your full retirement age amount. So quick numbers, say you get $1,000 at your full retirement age of 67. If you were to start at 62, the way the reduction factor works out, you get $700 a month in continuing. You wait all the way until age 70, you get $1,240 per month in continuing. And that's oversimplified. It doesn't factor in colas that 
you know, could come into play. But it's kind of like this range, this continuum. So it's a question of which point along that continuum makes the most sense in terms of collecting, recognizing the earlier you start, the lower your payment's going to be for the rest of your life. The longer you wait, the higher your payment's going to be for the rest of your life. So what do you think about, well, your health, obviously, longevity, do you need the money? All those factors come into play. And as I said right up front, I don't tell people what they should do, but I just want to make sure they fully understand what they can do and are making an informed decision. It's, it's funny, Kurt. As you were talking, I, right before you did the math uh, on the 1,000, I have my statement up in front of me, and I was doing the math, and it was exactly what you said it was. It well, was, don't forget, Pat, I'm a trained professional. You're right. It was 24%. But mine, um, again, I haven't really thought about it. Maybe I should. Uh, for me, anyway, at age, the difference between 62 and 70, for me, it's about 1800 bucks. So sure. that's a month. That's a lot. So that's yeah. a, a lot to think about. But those percentages worked. It was 24% and 70%. So, yep. um, yep. and, yeah. and that's the other the thing I wanted you to highlight, which you did, is regardless of your, like you said, I'm born uh, after 1960, so my full retirement age is 67. But regardless, even if that goes, well, we don't know what's going to happen, but the, the early that 62 doesn't, that's not adjusted. It's always 62, whether your full retirement age is 65 or 67. Absolutely. And, and that's the way the law is right now. But as you point out, it certainly could change in the future. But right now, even the full retirement age is 67, you can still start to collect as early as 62. Right. But let me throw one, one other thing, Pat, that, sure. that does impact this uh, decision to collect. And that's if you're working... All right? And yeah. what the law says is if you're looking to collect prior to reaching your full retirement age month, but intending to work at the same time, need to understand that you're limited in how much you can earn before it impacts your ability to collect. Uh, 2021, for example, under full retirement age, you can work a little bit. You're allowed to make up to $18,960 or less without any loss of benefits whatsoever. You make 18960 or more. Well, it doesn't mean you can't necessarily collect, but Social Security is then required to start holding back $1 in benefits for every $2 that you're over the threshold, one for two. So depending on how much you're making, you may not be able to collect prior to full retirement age month, even if you choose to. What counts towards that 18960 Just earned income only. Wages and or net income from self-employment. Unearned income, like a VA benefit, 401k distributions, bank interest dividends, none of that counts. But the good news is from the month you reach your full retirement age on, there's no longer any earnings limitation imposed on you whatsoever. For full retirement age month on, you can work and earn as much as you'd like and collect payments at the same time if you choose to do so. But prior to full retirement age, if you're still working, that will have an impact on whether you can collect benefits or not. Got it. Uh, two more things on the benefits. One, the other thing I'm struck by in looking at this, um, at my statement, is sort of the the monthly amounts. Given that we, you know, we're we're, um, you know, the maximum that someone can contribute this year is about eight thousand five hundred. But what's sort of the? Do you have any numbers on Kurt? What's the average? I think people, regardless, obviously, it's going to depend on what you made over the thirty-five year career. But what's the average? benefit uh, like this year or last year? Sure. So in 2021, the average Social Security retirement benefit being paid is $1,543 per month. $1,543 per month. You multiply it by 12, that gives you a total of $18,516 per year. $1,543 average, $18,516 average annual Social Security retirement benefit in 2021. Now, often then get asked, well, is there a maximum payment that Social Security makes? Well, in 2021, for someone who is at his or her full retirement age, which this year is 66 years and two months, and who for each of the past 35 years has had earnings at or above the Social Security taxable maximum level, 
which we referenced before. This year, for example, you could make a half a million dollars, but you're only going to pay Social Security tax on the first $142,800 that you make. So in calculating your benefit, averaging in your earnings, Social Security this year won't look at that half a mil. No, they'll average in only up to the taxable maximum, or this year that 142.8. So again, someone at full retirement age of 66 years and two months this year, who for each of the past 35 years has had earnings at or above that taxable maximum, this year he or she receives $3,148 per month, thirty-one forty-eight, which on annual basis, $37,776. So $1,543 average retirement benefit this year, thirty-one forty-eight maximum benefit for somebody at full retirement age this year. Nothing to sneeze at, but program was never intended to be anyone's sole source of income in retirement, designed to provide that base, foundation, and you've got to find ways to supplement it because it was never intended to be somebody's sole source of income in retirement. And that's a good point. So let's talk a little bit about planning in a generic way and that uh, you mentioned sort of the earnings because I think, you know, as we as we progress a little bit, uh, you know, people will be definitely, I think, working beyond. And there's not, um, like you said, someone, someone has to do the math to figure out how much they can um, earn. Taxability is another thing that we may get to um, after. That's, there's two different things. There's the ability to collect and then the taxable uh, piece of it. Um, they're, You're absolutely correct. They're can you collect in the first place? And then if you do, do you have <laughs> to pay federal income tax on a portion of those benefits? Yep. Right. Not, not easy. Uh, all right. So let's talk about, because um, uh, we've only got a f- about 10 minutes left. Let's say, how about someone who's uh, married uh, and go through sort of the, the common examples of, you know, two spouses working, one spouse did, one spouse didn't, and then a surviving and maybe we could, that'll probably take us to the top of the hour, but try to uh, explain those as best you can. Sure. So the Social Security Spousal Benefit Program been around for about 70 years or so, put in place by Congress largely to support the model of the American family in the 1950s and the 1960s. So listeners who've heard me before or have seen me at McNamara seminars know I illustrate the spousal program by referring to what, in my estimation, was the prototypical American family of the 50s and 60s. It was the Cleavers from the TV show Leave it to Beaver. Because mm-hmm. you had Ward Cleaver, who was the breadwinner of the family. You had June Cleaver, who was the stay-at-home mom. And the Social Security spousal program says Ward Cleaver, breadwinner. He'll get a benefit based on whatever his mysterious work was. Because, you know, he left the home each day, (laughs) briefcase in hand, but we have no idea where he went or what he did. Uh. But let's say he gets $1,000 a month and he's at full retirement age of 66. June Cleaver, as his spouse, at her full retirement age, and let's assume it's 66 as well, going to be eligible to receive a monthly amount equal to 50% of Ward's full retirement age amount, or in our example, $500 a month that will be paid to her in addition to the $1,000 that's paid to Ward. And she'll get that money even though she may not have worked a day outside the home in her life. Now, Ward needs to be collecting in order for June to receive that spousal benefit. She has to be at least age 62, earliest age she can collect, no difference on the retirement program. And if she's at her full retirement age, that's when she gets the full 50%. If she's younger than that when she starts, she gets a reduced amount just to somebody's own retirement benefit is reduced if taken early. But again, Pat, that's the 50s and 60s. June is a stay-at-home mom, but 70s, 80s, and beyond, in all likelihood, June Cleaver will have worked outside the home, will have taken a job, paid into the Social Security program. How does that work out? So let's say Ward's benefit is still a thousand full retirement age, but June has a benefit on her own of eight hundred dollars a month. Well, the Social Security spousal rules say June always has to take her own retirement benefit first, and if her own retirement benefit at full retirement age exceeds fifty percent of Ward's full retirement age amount, then that's all she collects. And on our example. She's got an $800 full retirement age amount. It exceeds the 50% of Ward's full retirement age amount. 
So that's what she collects. She doesn't collect both. It's always one or the other, whichever one is higher. But say she hadn't worked that much, though, so her own benefit was only $250. Well, she collects her own $250 first. And now, because her full retirement age amount is less than 50% of wards, she's given additional money on top of her own benefit to bring her up to that 50% of his full retirement age amount. So it's spousal benefits, 50% of the higher earner's full retirement age amount or the individual's own, one or the other, whichever one is higher, but you don't get both full amounts at once. Which then leads to the question, well, what happens to June if Ward dies? Well, this is survivor benefits, payments for widows and widowers. And here the news for June is actually a little bit better. So let's say she's getting 800, Ward's getting 1,000, and Ward passes away. Well, June, as a widow, is now going to be eligible to receive a monthly amount not equal to 50% of Ward's, but 100% of what he was collecting at the time he passed away. Oh, yes, still, or her own, it's always one amount to the other, whichever one is higher. So in this example, she now begins to receive an additional $200 each month moving her from her own $800 benefit up to the $1,000 level that Ward had been collecting. Now, that's the good news. Bad news is, again, while he was alive, they were getting $1,800 a month in Social Security payments, in our example, his 1000 her 800 He dies, sure, her individual benefit goes up to his level, but it's like her own goes away. So it's just something you need to plan for. You collect on one amount to the other, Whichever one is higher, you don't get both at once. But the last point I want to make is this. So Ward, let's say he decides to wait to age 70 to collect. So his benefit is now 32% higher than his full retirement age amount. So he would have been getting $1,320 per month when he passed away. Well, the better news for June then is her own $800 benefit goes all the way up to that 1320 that he had been collecting. So I used to like to remind folks, by opting to wait, not only is your own payment higher than it would be if you started sooner, but it also means that any survivor benefit that could be made upon your passing is going to be higher as well. But spousal benefits, 50%, survivor benefits, 100%, but again, or your own, one amount to the other, whichever one is higher, but you don't get both at once. And... Uh Kurt, you mentioned uh, something that again we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about TV ads with Peter when he comes on. But um, one of the you know the, all the life insurance uh, ads that are on always say you know well I only got two hundred and fifty five dollars from Social Security when my spouse died. Can you just explain that a little bit for people? Sure. Yeah, and and I think those ads are very misleading because absolutely somebody who has worked and passed uh, paid into the Social Security program passes away, leaving behind a widow or widower or surviving children who are eligible to collect, Social Security will pay a one-time, here's my term, paltry $255 lump sum death benefit, the amount of which hasn't changed since 1950s or so. But the ad conveniently overlooks the fact that there are these survivor benefits that are payable in addition to that one-time $255 lump sum death benefit, and that June Cleaver could collect for as long as she remains alive that higher amount based on Ward's work and earnings. So yeah, there's this one-time lump sum 255, but the ads conveniently overlook the survivorship aspect of the Social Security program. Yeah, I know, and that's a that's an important point. I think you know, obviously, they're trying to sell life insurance, so of um, it 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 makes sense. But yeah, so I think the the we, I just want to touch on taxability quick uh, before we're uh, the segments up. So just uh, if you can just give us like a two minute uh, outline of we talked about you talked about when someone wants to work and collect their benefits could be reduced, but what about if someone's collecting? Uh, and has other income, what is sure. the tax issue there? Sure, and history lesson here, prior to 1983, Social Security benefits were absolutely, totally, completely federal tax-free, but that year Congress changed the IRS code and said if you were, air quotes here, a higher income mm -hmm. Social Security beneficiary, you would be required 
to pay federal income tax on a portion of the payments that you had received. They set the thresholds as $25,000 for a single tax filer, $32,000 for a couple filing jointly. If you had income, and it's income from all sources, Pat, as you know, both earned and unearned, below those two thresholds, then, yeah, no portion of your Social Security benefits would be subject to federal income tax. But if you had income from all sources above those thresholds, now you'll find yourself having to pay federal income tax on up to 85% of the benefits that you had received in the prior year. 15% always federal tax-free, but up to 85% could be treated as ordinary income taxed at whatever marginal tax rate you find yourself at. These days, about half of all Social Security beneficiaries do find themselves in a position where they have to pay federal income tax on a portion of the payments that they had received in the prior year. Why? Because their income exceeds those thresholds. Wow. The end of the year, Social Security does send a 1099 form. People ask, well, does Social Security automatically withhold a portion of my benefits every month? The answer is no, but if you'd like to have a portion withheld, you can ask to have it done. You may avoid the need for filing quarterly estimates. So that's federal tax rules, state tax rules, these days, only 13 out of the 50 states do tax Social Security benefits at the state level. Here, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts does not. Wow. It's one of the 37 states that do not. Here in New England, by the way, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Vermont do wow. tax Social Security benefits in some form or fashion, but the vast majority of states don't. Wow. But again, depends on where you live as to whether you're going to have to pay state tax in addition to your federal income tax on your benefits. Wow. Well, Kurt, thank you for the for the hour. I got through about half of what I wanted to. But for those people who need help, want some education, how do they get in touch with you, Kurt? Sure. Uh, my website is www.zarnowskiconsulting.com. That's spelled C as in Charlie, Z as in Zebra, A-R-N-O-W-S-K-I, zarnowskiconsulting.com. Great. Well, Contact information's on there. Great. I'll repeat it at the end uh, as well, um, so hopefully people will get it. But thank you very much, Kurt. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll be back with Medicare at the top of the hour.